We have got a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about the Chiefs. Uh, what is it? 14th straight win over the Broncos uh, mm. today. Mm. Uh, mm. We're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, how many how many wins does KU have over Mizzou in a row? No Did one's keeping that? track. No. no one's keeping track. Okay. Well, uh, we got- only like only like three in a row, I think, probably. So not that much. Uh, we got some openings and closings around Kansas City to get to. We tried a few things around Kansas City as well. I've got a Kansas City end of the week, a Midwest Mad, personal pine tar, and our mixed plate of uh, the 12 days of Christmas. Which gifts we would actually want from the 12 days of Christmas? It's going to be a fun one. Welcome into State Your Line, a podcast for Kansas Cityans by Kansas Cityans. We are the Ritz Brothers. Today is December 14th, and we got to talk Chiefs and Broncos here. Um, I was trying to think of a movie where Uh-oh, it's Coward. In, I'm trying to be Colin Coward, where it's an incredible start to a movie, and then the plot just gets boring and lost and frustrating, and then the ending leaves you maybe feeling a little bit better uh about it but but not much uh but but just an incredible start to the movie and i'm yeah. trying to think of that movie avatar came to mind uh yeah. because okay. you know there's a new the way of waters coming out here soon i was thinking about avatar like really as you see pandora for the first time and everything it it is incredible um mm-hmm. I think the movie still is good throughout, so it might not be the best example, but but that's no, I think it's a mind. good example, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because it was an incredible start to the game, and really, when we were up twenty-seven, nothing, I was just like, please embarrass them, please make all their fans leave at halftime, make Russell Wilson walk off the food, walk off the field to booze and beer cans, yeah, and uh, oh, not beer cans, empty. Sure. Empty beer. They're just throwing trash onto the field. Just throwing trash. Yeah, that would have been nice. I'd be okay with that. Um, And that that's what I wanted. And instead, uh, we did not get that. We got a a barn burner uh, where we really had to to sweat down the stretch there to see the Chiefs pull out a win. Yeah, score seven points in the second half, Um, and is way closer than. Yeah, and anyone wanted it to be, and it was really annoying. And the Chiefs always have to do this. Like, I don't know. It just it just feels like the Chiefs always have to let their opponents back in. And we have like blowouts against the 49ers and against the Bucks. And I'd say against like, the, the Cardinals, too. I think the Cardinals, yeah. Um, but but um it, it does feel like we always just kind of hang on and let the other team stay in it and um, I know that's not true, and I know it's not always, and I know we do have comfortable wins, and we have blowouts, and we're still a, a really, really good team, and we're still, I think, uh, second or third as far as Super Bowl odds. I, I, I do think our fan base, like I know this is a super, super old man take, and part of me agrees with it. Part of me, I don't want to be associated with the people that have this take to the extreme, but like we definitely are spoiled as a fan base with with – Patrick Mahomes and we expect uh perfection because all we do is like 
and Kevin, you and I do this and we talk about this. Like uh-huh. all we do is like watch Mahomes highlights and we hear the praise from Mahomes and we hear everyone talk about Mahomes and we all believe Mahomes is like the greatest of all time. Like Chiefs fans truly do believe that. And we believe that this offense is the best offense of all time. And it is one of that, but it, it's not perfect. And I think sometimes because we have these, we go into every single game believing Mahomes is the best of all time, believing this offense is the best of all time, believing we're we're um, we're Super Bowl contenders every single year. We're entering every game with all these priors and all these biases, and then when it's not perfect, then we then we get upset and it's frustrating because in our mind we built up this perfection and this this like apex predator of an offense that. We are, but not to the perfection or the perfect standard that we've created in our mind. And so while I hate putting myself in the camp of like some really old curmudgeon um, you all are spoiled, um, like remember back in my day when we had to deal with, you know, Matt Castle and Steve Bono and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we're spoiled to the point of like, uh, irredeemability or we're spoiled to the point of of like annoyance it's just it's just a fact we all go into the every game we watch with prior uh with priors with with biases and then we we expect perfection and when it doesn't happen we get frustrated because we've created this thing in our mind and so that's really what it felt like to me like in a lot of these these games uh, where we, we hang too close, it's like we expect perfection. Um, we're still, by most measures, um, the best offense in the NFL. Um, I mean, we're, we're number one out of 32. One out of 32. We're still the best offense in the NFL. Our defense has struggled. This is nothing new. This is absolutely nothing new. This is this is what we've dealt with basically um, every single season. And, and so, like, I don't know. It's it was one of those games where, yeah, we shouldn't have let them back in, but man, should we really have expected much different? Um, I, I think we just we we hype it up too much. But you know, having said that, the team sets the expectations for us, and they tell us that they expect Super Bowls. They tell us that they want to win the Super Bowl every single year, and they tell us that they want to get better, and they're working on getting better and that's what the team tells us and when the defense does not do that and the defense doesn't get any better uh then then that's frustrating because you people have to be held accountable and and all that stuff and and so yeah i mean the defense was last week against the Bengals. i said pathetic this week i said embarrassing but then i look back and you know the defense had six sacks they had two interceptions they had a pick six like it was just a it was a weird game it was a weird game all around because the defense was bad the Broncos offense is horrible. One of the worst offenses of the last 20 years. And they moved the ball pretty easy. They had 17 first downs to our 20 first downs. And so they they've never they haven't scored more than 23 points all season. And so going against that type of opponent, our defense should have been better, even though we had the six sacks and the two INTs. That doesn't tell the full story because our defense was not good. And I, I don't know how you could argue otherwise. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, I, I agree with you on the take of like, I think it's a little bit of 
everybody saying that Chiefs fans are are too mad about winning a game. Like I, I really don't know that many people that are that upset about winning the game. Like I don't think that's real life that we're um, so pissed off and this spoiled that we can't even appreciate what the Denver game was. Like I had some of my most fun moments of the season watching that. Like the Willie Gay pick six was like stiff arm to Russell Wilson, put him in the dirt. Like that was really fun. Pat Mahomes, no look, alley oop pass for a 50 yard touchdown. Like that's just silly, stupid out of this world. That's a once in a career type play that he makes probably every like six games, it seems like something insane like that. Uh, so our expectations are really high, but it was one of those games where it's like some of my my funnest moments that I've had this season. And then some of the darkest, uh, like watching Russell Wilson climb the uh, bathroom to touchdown uh, chart. That was very upsetting because I knew that that he was getting closer to having as many touchdowns as he has bathrooms. And I was like, not on our watch. He's not getting to 12. He almost did. He almost Uh, did. And he almost did. And I would have been very upset, uh, but he didn't quite get there. Uh, And yeah, the defense it's, it's six sacks, two turnovers, but uh, they're frustrating. Um, playing defense in the NFL is very hard. The rules are are slanted against you, uh, but it shouldn't be hard against the Broncos and Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett. It's looked very easy for other teams all season. We made it look challenging. And it took turnovers and great plays from our star players, which really is good to see. Like when we needed a play, and it's like, please bail us out, Chris Jones, and that might have to be our strategy. But there he was to bail us out. Like, that's what I ask for. I know our defense isn't perfect. I know it's going to give up uh, a lot of yards and points at times. But star players make plays and change the game. And that's what Chris Jones did. And that felt good because it's like, again, our defense isn't going to be perfect. But we need players to step up and make big plays if if they – are going to struggle consistently that they're going to have to do some something to, to swing, swing the pendulum and, and make a turnover or something. So uh, George yeah. Karloftis coming, coming around ish, uh, still not getting consistent pressure, but he leads the NFL in batted balls. He had another yeah. one, which was like a great play. It wasn't just pure luck. That was definitely like intentional the way he, the way he batted that ball. Um, but yeah, the Broncos had never all season. They hadn't had, um, two consecutive uh, touchdown drives. So a touchdown drive followed by a touchdown drive. Um, they had three. They had a three in a row against us, and they had mm-hmm. never even had two all season. Um, so you know, after the game, Frank Clark and uh, Colin Saunders said, you know, they needed to play better. And Frank Clark had a really bad game, but um, yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. It it that was such a 2018 game. Like that that game. Uh, two days ago on Sunday was such a 2018 game where like, it was like Mahomes looked so comfortable and then making kind of really bad mistakes. Like, and then the defense looking so, so bad, like a Bob Sutton defense. I mean, that was 2018. Mahomes was still making some of those, those, those poor mistakes because a lot of his interceptions are on like tip balls or, or, you know, drop passes or, uh, you know, the, it's the receiver's fault. Those three, uh, on Sunday were, were bad reads and bad throws. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was, that was frustrating, but you know, I have enough faith in Mahomes that he's, and I know like from evidence, like he's, 
he learned from those things and he rarely makes the same mistake twice. So, you know, that's good. Having that taken care of, getting it done in a win. Um, so yeah, the uh, other things, um, super frustrating coaching decisions. We, we, I don't know why Sky Moore can't get uh, targets and can't get on the field more. I mean, uh, Justin Watson is still, you know, the second most snaps on, on uh, offense for wide receivers. Yeah. I I think want sky more back in there. I think because it's been a few games, I've honestly forgot how much I I think we miss uh, what McColl Hardman can do um, just with, with different gadget plays that we can design for him um, that, that kind of opens up the playbook a little bit more. So I, I, I think it'll be a nice breath of fresh air to get him back. And then, uh, See, I don't know what's going to happen with Kadarius Tony, but again, a dynamic player. We'll see. So there's still, I think, the offense I, evolving I and, and, and chances. Play, do we to play, don't we play the Texans this week? Like, I don't play even the know. Texans. We play God. the Texans this week at noon. What's the line? We got Kevin Harlan and uh, Trent Green nice. on the call, which I didn't know we'd get them all year. So it's exciting to have them because I love Kevin Harlan and Trent Green. And then we get Carl Cheffers too. Who's that? The referee from Monday Night Football who cried in on national television. Oh yeah, yeah. Fourteen so. point spread. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that was frustrating. That I just don't know why we can't get Sky more the ball more. Um. And then, yeah, the Chiefs they they accepted that penalty on on second down. I thought that was really dumb. I said it in the moment. So again, this is not me being. We can check the text thread. This it's, is not me being true. I can confirm revisionist history but we should we shouldn't have accepted that penalty we should have taken second and uh 24 instead or second and 34 wait second and 24 oh third and 24 third and 24 over second and 34 um i i don't know why we accepted that penalty that was that was very dumb um, that didn't make any sense to me at all. So, um, a, a, a dumb, uh, coaching mistake. And then, you know, the fullback, the fullback trap, um, it. it has to, it has to be dead. It's um, dead. I don't even want to use it as a setup play anymore. I don't even, it used to I, work so well and it did. Yeah. And it's it was automatic and, it's and now it's so dead. It's, it's dead. so dead. Stop running the fullback trap on short down situations. Stop it. Um, so that is another coaching thing that I, that I didn't love. Um, a, a, cu- a couple positives. I mean, obviously, Mahomes had two, uh, you know, career highlight plays with the uh, with the alley oop to uh, uh, to uh, McKinnon, and then the you know run, spin around, and then get lawn chaired uh, while throwing to um, uh, Juju Smith Schuster in the back of the end zone. Like that play was so incredibly amazing. So him having those two amazing plays and. I texted this in the first half. He just looked, he looked so comfortable until that pick. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was just, he was operating within the offense perfectly. Everyone was open. He was just looking so great. Um, And then those picks happened and it was weird. Um, So it was weird game for Mahomes, but those plays were amazing. And then, you know, I love that um, Pacheco and McKinnon little kept. Little thunder and lightning. Don't say it. Don't say it. Nope. I just said it. <laughs> thunder and lightning, baby. Nice little change of pace. Um, one thing too, I really hope Andy Reid has been very confused on what to do on fourth downs this year. Um, yes, his decisions have not made a lot of sense. 
I really hope that that changes come playoff time. Like those fourth and three, fourth and four, where we were, where we kicked field goals, those need to be automatic green light. Go for it. Yes. Um, Especially in January in the playoffs. I hope that this is not a sign of what we will do come January in the playoffs. I'll be very upset. Uh, It's it's trending that way. Uh, But I hope Andy has another level of fourth down aggressiveness in the playoffs. We we just don't have the staff for it. We we don't have anyone. I mean, this this is gonna. I don't want to reduce it to this level of an argument, but we don't have an analytics staff. Like we we just don't. I don't know. We don't. I haven't looked into that. We the the athletic publishes an article every single year, and they interview. They anonymously interview a bunch of analytics staffers that are on teams, and they ask team. They ask them to rate. Uh, which teams are the most analytical forward and the chiefs got one vote. Mm. So this is from other staffers and analytics. People know where other analytics people are and the type of influence that they have, obviously, because it's a, it's still an emerging um, department in the NFL. Whereas like the, the MLB has entire departments of multiple people NFL. A lot of teams just have like one or two people Um yeah, the so the Chiefs got one vote for like most uh, analytically savvy team. Okay, that makes sense. So and that was yeah. So we we don't. Andy Reid goes off vibes and probably past experience, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. I think that's all I had for the. And Chiefs. that's that's this is the these these are some of the things that like. I think this is this is a this is a legitimate reason to be frustrated with Eric Bieniemy, right? Because like no one in the building is going to challenge Andy Reid, um, and a good, young, fresh, analytically minded offensive coordinator maybe could maybe could have some influence. Maybe could talk to Andy and be like, but instead we have Eric Bieniemy as our offensive coordinator who believes um, in order to better run the ball. You just have to do it more, which is one of the more backward ways of thinking that I can I can possibly imagine um, because that makes zero sense. But Eric Bieniemy is very much the old school. In order to do it better, we just have to do it more. It's like, well, no, you have to get better at doing it um, and you have to do it in smarter situations and you have to do it when you have an advantage. You don't just have to do it more. That doesn't make any sense. But like he's one of these old school run the ball, run the ball, run first. And so having that alongside Andy Reid um, and then having Matt Nagy as the other offensive mind, you know, I, we're not going to get any more analytical forward as an offense. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, we're not. But that That's, yeah, I think that's uh, probably frustrating for you and uh, something I, I, I think we should keep an eye on as far as, like, what they do this off season, uh, especially if they do some good self self evaluation, like it's public information that they're confused on what to do on fourth yes. down. Like that Very. is publicly known. Uh, so some self evaluation there would definitely be good. Um, all yeah, right. and the teams and the teams that we're going to be competing with the Bills, the the Chargers, Chargers, the um, the Bengals. You know they have staff that at least presents separate ways of thinking. I'm not saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, the Dolphins, I'm not saying this is, 
you have to be all analytics or you have to be all old school football guy. Um, you have to you have to be aware of all the information and then make decisions based off of it. But we don't have anyone in the building presenting uh, opposition research. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's move it along. Let's. Uh, you want to talk about Ku Mizzou? I mean, vibes were vibes were high going into the game. Vib vibes were high. I saw uh, that uh, Mizzou during Mister Brightside had the fuck Ku cheer going. Yeah, uh, I don't know when we adopted that from K State. Yeah, that's right. Vibes are high I mean, there. I I don't know when we I don't know when that started, but like on Mizzou Twitter that I was seeing, like all day, everyone was talking about Mister Brightside coming along, and I was like, did we? Did did we start doing that? Because we definitely didn't do that when I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, I love, love it. I support that. Um, one thing I did not like. Well, I don't know how I feel about it. Is Eli Eli Drinkwitz is uh, uh, holding up that that fan sign about five five uh, level one violations or something like that. It's it's a gutsy move. Number one, being a public figure holding up a white sign because you're going to get photoshopped to death. Anything can now be printed on that sign for all of eternity. And and number two, you better have your house in order if you're going to start throwing rocks uh, because you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticism. Uh, I like the move because I like college rivalries. Uh, I'm okay with coaches poking the bear and uh, igniting more um, passion in rivalries because – we care so much as fans. It's good to see like when your coach, you're like, okay, our coach gets it. He gets the rivalry. Uh, but it's, it's harder to do when your credibility on the field is lacking. Agreed. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So vibes were high. Uh, I was loving, loving Twitter. Um, I was texting some of my KU friends. I was like, man, this feels good to like hate KU again. Like, man, it, it feels really good. And then, you know, I mean, freaking Grady Dick couldn't miss a freaking shot. And uh, we started one of eight from three and Bob's your uncle. Like, that's that's it. That's all she wrote. And, you know, I thought we, you know, hung in there. We, we stayed competitive at, at times and we, we tried to fight back at times. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know how it was a three and a half point spread. Like, I, I legitimately have no idea how that was possible. I hope Vegas, I mean, I actually, I mean, I was hoping Vegas was not going to lose their ass off because everyone I talked to was like, what is going on? Like everyone was betting on Kansas. Um, maybe people outside of the KC area were like betting on this game and betting on Mizzou or maybe Vegas. just based off records. Yeah. Take a look at the record and no think rivalry clue, game. And everyone in the area was like, uh, what's up? And so, like, everyone I knew bet on Kansas. So, everyone minus three and a half. So, everyone I knew um, won money. And, um, you know, I was hoping Vegas would win. But all my friends won money instead. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a a whooping. It wasn't good. Um, a little bit of a wake-up call for the program. But uh, we'll bounce back. I, I like Dennis Gates. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by him. And... Uh, it could have been worse, I guess, but that's a loser talk. So uh, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, um, it's tough. I mean, Mizzou is still recovering. They're still very far behind. Um, I, I don't know the the 
what would you say the Frank Haith days or uh um, Yeah. Who is I mean, the, we went straight from yeah. Frank Haith to Kim Kim Anderson. Yeah. So that's tough. Uh from where where Mizzou was, they they've still got a long ways to go it seems like to build back up where they were. Yeah, um, I mean Mike Anderson and the Frank Haith, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still 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 recovering, still recovering for sure. Um yeah, I don't know. I found myself as a K-State fan. I, something has flipped for me with Mizzou. Like, I, I was cheering for KU to get to 100, honestly. What's your like, problem? I don't know what my problem is. Maybe I'm sour at Mizzou still for leaving. Dude, uh, that was like 10 years ago. Okay, well, I haven't gotten over it, maybe. Uh, and so I almost root for their demise of, like, you made the wrong choice. You're with the wrong but that's now. that's that's wrong kev like you're taking you're t- taking conference uh allegiance over your most hated rival yeah I, no now get me don't get me wrong i would have loved to see mizzou win like i was rooting for mizzou to win but then once ku got up that big i was just like just put a hundred on them because wow yeah so i mean i don't i i think it i don't know happen. if other k-state fans felt the same but uh i was just, just put 100 on them at this i point. think it did happen in like two, 2012 when all the conference realignment happened again or like a big big uh portion of the conference realignment happened and there there was this like this tribalism that formed that i don't think it existed before where people started rooting for their conference only and would root for their conference over um over an, an opponent. So like you had rivals rooting for other rivals and it frankly I think it's disgusting. Like yeah. I would never root for um I would never root for um well KU against Duke or are you trying to think of an SEC no. team like you wouldn't root for Arkansas your bitter rival to beat against... K State. Yeah. We're likable. You know I mean? We're very likable. Yeah. We're just so damn likable. I can't think of an analogy right now, but like, but like, it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You can't root for the people, the people in your conference, you hate them. Uh, so well, I don't know. Sounds like you, you haven't figured out the secret sauce in the sec, Danny, cause you all root for each other and it just means more. Yeah, it does just mean more. Um, all right, let's get into some openings around Kansas city this week. First up, we've got, uh, a place called barbacoa. It is from the owner of Taco Tanks, um, which was was Taco Tanks a, a food truck? I think. No, it was a. Uh, it was in the Iron District. And, it was in the Iron District. Okay, and, we've had and them. In we had Taco Tank. Yeah, and in Parlor, mm-hmm. we had Taco Tank. Taco Tank in the the Iron District, but they're opening up a new restaurant on Fifty Fifth and Troost. Yeah, brick and mortar. We love this. Uh, we might have to do like a an annual recap of like all, all the former pop ups that or former uh, like Strang Hall, Parlor, Iron District uh, places that became their own standalone permanent brick and mortar because there's so many of them and it's just it's so great. I say it every single time, but it's such an awesome. Uh, it's why that concept makes a ton of sense to me and why I love it. So. Um, Roman Raya, he's the owner of Taco Tank, which again had locations in the Iron District in North KC and Parlor in the Crossroads. They're opening Barbacoa, which is traditional Mexican with barbecue influence. This is going on 55th and Troost. Um, so it'll be really close to Tiki Taco because Tiki Taco is right there on mm-hmm. 55th and Troost. So is, um, you know, Gale, 
what's it? I think it's Gales, the, the sports Gales, bar. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a, a B-Hole Bakery, our, our good friend uh, over at B-Hole Bakery. And um, so barbacoa, uh, smoked carnitas, smoked mole, handmade tortillas uh, opening in the spring. Uh, sounds really, really good. Yeah. Anytime you eat and barbecue. Yes. Yeah. I mean, ca- send it. Of course. Mm-hmm. I, I want that. Two things Kansas City does really, really well. So they're going to have, uh, I mean, a full bar, cocktail menu, uh, you know, dessert. It's not just going to be like a taco stand. They, they they want it to be not like their pop-up, um, you know, kind of street Mexican food. It's more definitely going to be down. more sit down. Uh, there's a bar, dessert menu, that type of thing. Okay. Uh, speaking of B-Hole, uh, B-Hole Bakery uh, is going to be inside a new coffee shop. Novella, which is going into the West Bottoms. A lot of development happening in the West Bottoms right now. Lots um, going on in the West Bottoms. But it's going to be inside, uh, well, you probably would know it as the Painted Sofa. Uh, I feel like I've been there thrift shopping or uh, first Saturday, that first weekend in the West Bottoms shopping, the Painted Sofa. Uh, and that's where this coffee house with Black Hole Bakery um, Treats is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, another um, pop up to brick and mortar. So they had a pop up coffee shop called Slow Bar, I think, somewhere in the West Bottoms. Uh, But this is going to be a more permanent spot um, inside. uh, Yeah, it's called Charmed House Interiors now. But yeah, it was called Painted Sofa. But that wasn't even, um, you know estate sales anymore like it was all like new furniture by the time yeah. like in the last like year it's all just like new furniture some of it refurbished are... but you're not getting yeah. like you're not getting thrift store prices you're getting it an antique not. prices it's antique expensive price it is yeah. expensive mm-hmm. um so yeah it opens today the 14th so uh 12 14 it opens um again a coffee shop with black hole bakery uh treats and stuff inside that they're eventually going to do a more of a breakfast menu as well. Uh, but it's going to be like great Gatsby art deco design on the inside, which um, I think it'll probably look pretty cool. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll go down and check it out. I always like checking out new coffee shops and aesthetics. Yeah. Uh, and, and anything in that building is going to have good aesthetics too. Down there in the West bottom is very good. Good vibes. Um, also opening, uh, we've got Enzo, which is a bistro and wine bar in, um, the city market. It's going where, um, what was it called? Bowling's. Bowling's used to be there. Going to serve up some Italian and Greek dishes. So getting that Mediterranean vibe. Yeah. I think it's like, they're saying Tuscan inspired Italian food. Okay. So I think. That's a little more northern Italian. I don't know if it has more Greek influence or not, but um, yeah, look at a map. Tus Tuscan is a. I think it's a region in like, I think it's northern Italy. It is, but nice. So I think. All right. I no. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna guess because it would be guessing. I'd be guessing. Um, but yeah, I assume it's different. Can I look up if Tuscan Italian food is different than like I guess Sicilian Italian food. Uh, is that what we're more familiar with? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if I could pick out Greece on a map. That's not true, Kev. <laughs> I'm looking at a map right now of Italy. <laughs> I don't know where Greece is. <laughs> there it's it east. is. It's east. Okay, I found it. All right, I feel a little better. 
Um, but then yeah, far so- away from Italy. So that's why I was thinking Mediterranean because they said Italian food and both Greece, in the Mediterranean Sea, which yeah. are both Mediterranean, but Greece is closer to Southern Italy. Yeah. So I don't know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's from the, um, the owners of, of Ragazza. So I, you know, I think it's going to be really good. I trust that this is going to be a great spot uh, because I love Ragazza and like everyone I've ever sent to Ragazza from out of town or people who've never been there. They also love Ragazza. Like everyone loves Ragazza. It's great. Um, so Laura and Grant Norris are the uh, brother sister that own Ragazza. They're opening this. Uh, it's going to be Italian and, and Greek dishes. It uh, is it open, Kev? I think the grand opening was. I think uh, it happened. Yep. Yeah, maybe today. Great wine list. Great bar. Um, and I mean that's a great location. That old where the bowlings used to be too, right off yeah. the streetcar, right in the heart of the River Market. Um, and and what I found out about uh, Tuscany, Tuscan not cuisine. Not a single, not a single house to rent in Tuscany. Not a house. Uh, the best I could find is uh, a lot of olive oil is used. Oh, same with Greek food. So, uh, but yeah, because I mentioned meatballs and lamb. So that's that's where I was going with the uh, Mediterranean. But uh, sounds good either way. Uh, Also opening, uh, Calaveras is opening in Lee Summit. This is our fourth opening. Four, uh, which is a Day of the Dead themed Mexican spot in Lee Summit. Coming to you from the owners of Smoke Brewing Company in downtown Lee Summit. Which I've been to. Yes. Smoke brewing was on uh what I tried this week. I had the smash burger there. Um I wish but it had a little like uh smoked brisket on top of the smash burger. It was disgustingly delicious and sloppy and very good. But um yeah, this is called Calivares. It's uh opened. It has been open. It opened on November 9th. So apologies to the Calivares team of Jeff Josh and Lanny Edwards. Um, but yeah, they are actually planning on opening this pre-COVID uh, or, or planning on opening it in like early 2020 and then COVID hit. So they just like kind of put pause on it. They had time to really refine uh, their ideas and, and refine the menu. They brought over um, a guy named Josh Lofketter, who was previously the sous chef at Blue Stem ever heard of it to be the new chef there for this uh, Mexican uh, restaurant in downtown Lee summit. So yeah, it sounds really good. Pork green chili topped with glazed pork belly. Uh, that sounds really good. And red pozole with mahi um, also sounds good. Carnitas, uh, tacos El Pastor, deconstructed nachos, elotes. So uh, sounds really good. It's a hike. To get to downtown Lee Summit for me, but uh, smoke brewing is really good. They've got a peanut down there. Uh, this place looks awesome. So uh, good little good little day trip. Okay. Um, all right. Except except for our Lee Summit listeners, of course, of which there are many. Um, of course, uh, I actually uh, good transition because what I tried this week was actually in Lee Summit. Uh, I got to try Summit Pizza, which is in downtown Lee Summit. Uh, wow. Yeah, so got to try that, and uh, I would say if you're a fan of Waldo Pizza, then you would love Summit Pizza. I thought tasted similar 
Um, they've got a traditional crust and a thin crust. Uh, looked St. Louis style, I would say, the thin crust did, which I know Waldo does that. I think they do it pretty well. Um, but Summit Pizza, I just got a classic pepperoni pizza from there. Uh, they've got specials every single day of the week uh, where they're either um, – you know, taking a couple bucks off a large pizza or a medium pizza. So different things. They've got a lunch uh, special as well with like a salad bar and pizza buffet in there nice. too. So it's very local. They pride themselves on being local as well. So just some good pizza. Again, if you like Waldo pizza and you're out South, then summit pizza would satisfy that craving. Very good. I enjoyed it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, do they deliver? To Brooks it said it said they deliver most parts of Kansas City, so uh, it's worth a shot. That's a high. All right, worth a shot. Um, this week, I um, I tried Antler Room. Mm-hmm. I tried Antler Room uh, anniversary. It was our it was our wedding anniversary uh, this past weekend, and we've been wanting to do antler room for a long time. We interviewed Leslie Newsom, who is uh, the owner of antler room, who runs the, the front of the house there. Um, if you need a refresher about antler room, um, it is in, did, did you uh, get to see Leslie when you were there? Yes. Yeah. She was okay. there. That's the she best part about what we do is then when we go back to the restaurants or, or when we go back and see people that we've met, that's always one of my favorite things. Absolutely. And Leslie's an awesome person. Leslie's amazing. Yeah. And, um, but it is in Hospital Hill neighborhood. Basically, it's on 25th and Holmes, right behind uh, Children's Mercy over there, uh, real close to um, Succotash, if you've ever been to Succotash. Um, but the the chef who is Leslie's husband, his name is Nick. Uh, we did not get to interview him, but he is a classically trained uh, at the French Culinary Institute in New York. Um, after he graduated from there, he traveled across the world uh, working in different restaurants. He worked for um, Chef Rene Redzippi at Noma, which was, it's in Copenhagen, and Noma was named the number one restaurant in the world for three straight years. And he so sounds, Nick worked. The backstory sounds like the same backstory as uh, the chef from Bear. A little bit, maybe. Like yeah. the chef and bear, I think, worked at Noma as well. Yeah. Really? I that was his, a fictional restaurant. I think that was his backstory. Well, if it was a fictional restaurant, it was based off of Noma. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the founder of Noma isn't a isn't a prick like um like like his his boss was at at that fancy restaurant. That was in New York, though. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, anyways, um, Antler Room is, it's amazing. I had um, an incredible experience. Uh, they started us off with champagne because it was our anniversary. So that was, that was cool. That's always fun. Um, and then we, we had roasted beets, which had uh, brie and spicy almonds, a rosemary vinaigrette as a salad. Um, we got the um, uh, campanelle or campanelli, which is a pasta, um, mushroom pasta with celery roots, Swiss chard, pine nuts. So it's like small plates, fine dining. Think like small plates with the, you know, the presentation is a major part of it. Um, totally fine dining, things that you, you've you never had before. Um, one of the other things we had was, um, what did we have? Hmm. Well, I mean, the menu changes quite a bit, so it's not on the wrong so line. So it's already menu, changed. We, 
yeah, we had a, um, we had a, uh, butternut squash pasta that was just like absolutely mind blowing. Um, uh, salt and pepper octopus. It was just, it was incredible. It was an unbelievable, we got five plates. It was an unbelievable experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say it's, it's right up there with town company. Um, I would put it above, uh, Corvino as far as, uh, best like fine dining experiences in the city. And, uh, I'd say it's right up there with, with town company and it's, it's unbelievable. So, so good. Can't recommend it enough. We, we told the, the waitress too, like kind of what we liked as far as wine. And, and she had, um, Leslie pick it out and uh, all that good stuff. It was a great experience, delicious dessert, all good all, all around. Okay. Yeah. And you got to make a reservation ahead of time. It's a smaller yes. place, very intimate, uh, yes. but an awesome experience. Incredible. Um, all right. So that is what we tried this week. Uh, this week, we do have a Kansas Cityan of the week this week uh, to honor Kansas Cityan Grant Wall, who uh, tragically passed away in uh, Qatar covering the World Cup. Uh, he grew up in Mission, Kansas. He went to Shawnee Mission East. Uh, covered KU in college basketball for a while, so wanted to to give him our our Kansas City of the week. Yeah, I mean Grant was by every. I didn't know that he was from Kansas City until today. Mm-hmm. Like all the coverage that I've seen about him has just been, you know, how incredible of a person he was, how um, trailblazing he was for soccer journalism, how he was basically the the soccer journalist in uh in the united states worked for sports illustrated for 20 years i mean he covered lebron uh in high school uh among other things uh but mostly known for his storytelling um you know just being a a really good person sticking to his values um and telling great stories about soccer and promoting soccer in america through his through his stories and through his writing uh with sports illustrated uh he's 48 years old and um, yeah, just a, a huge proponent of the and grower of the game and just a really good person. Um, while he was in Cutter, uh, he, you know, he was tweeting about how he wasn't feeling well and had been battling a cold and they thought it may be bronchitis and died suddenly. And and um, yeah, just just an awful story all around. I think there's been some speculation about all of uh, like the nature of his death and all of that. I know like the U.S. State Department is like, you know, getting working with them and getting them all back. And, and uh, I don't think anything's been said as far as, um, you know, anything other than, you know, he died from whatever illness he was, he was going through, but I know the speculation on the internet has come out, but, but really just being a, a really good person and um, you know, someone who uh, again, his, his brother was gay. So he wore a, a rainbow colored soccer ball into the game in Qatar and was uh detained for that and not allowed into the stadium for that. He wrote critical articles about Qatar and the way they handled the, the World Cup and building of the stadiums. Uh, and he was just a, a really good journalist and uh, Kansas City native, uh, Mission Kansas, Shawnee Mission East, off to Princeton for college. And uh, yeah, really, really awful, uh, tragic story. Yeah. And, and I think um, Kansas City will find ways, I think, to honor him. I know I, I read that um the the long family who owns the Kansas City Current consulted with Grant as they were branding, building the stadium, uh, coming up with messaging and stories to tell about the team. They consulted Grant a lot for that. Um, 
And so I, I wonder if they look to do something uh, to honor him. We have the World Cup coming here to Kansas City in 2026. I, I think there's going to be opportunities to honor him there. So uh, Kansas Cityans don't miss when, when we have a chance to, you know, honor awesome people who come from the city. So I, I wouldn't expect us to miss when, when that does happen. Uh, but a tragic story. Um, all right. This is a tough transition now. <laughs> what, is, is it going to personal pine tar? No, it's going to my Midwest mad here. My okay. Midwest mad here is uh, the, the independence Avenue bridge, which is famous for uh, its low clearance and uh, crashing semi trucks who try to go under the bridge. We, we've covered it a lot on this podcast because I think since we've started this podcast, I think 30 um, trucks, I think it was that number, or maybe that was since 2012 or 2020. I can't remember, but there's been a handful of trucks running into the Independence Bridge. We laugh about it. We laughed about the Independence Bridge Facebook account, how um, he had to like dox himself because <laughs> he was having a hard time in life. Uh, yeah, we appreciate the humor, but it's just a weird internet moment. Um, but the the Independence Bridge might not be taking any more um, trucks because supposedly they have a plan to fix it, and it's by hanging basically plastic buoys from a like kind of like a light pole, basically. Yeah. So that way, a truck, if it is too tall, will hit the plastic buoys. It'll make a loud noise, and they'll know to stop. Other other yeah. cities have done this, yes. and uh, it's been effective. Uh, San Antonio did this. They had one crash like immediately after they installed them, uh, but have not for five years since that one crash. So it's working. Um, so again, they're hanging plastic hollow tubes from a metal light pole. What do you yeah. think the price tag on that is? Plastic tubes. $50,000. Metal... $15,000. $50,000. Uh, $50,000. Keep going. It's it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they just say it and just breeze over that in the news stories. Like, well, there's probably a study. You gotta you gotta do a study. A hundred and a study. A study. study. Make a phone call to the guy in San Antonio and say, "Hey, how'd that work, bud? One crash in five years sounds good to us." Um, that's the study. That's it. It's not that hard. And then. We're talking about literally building a steel rod in an L shape, hanging plastic cones from it for $150,000. That is unbelievable to me that it would cost that much. I, well, I don't yeah. understand. There's no way. There's no way that should cost that much. And that's, study. That's why, out of principle, I, I don't like to vote to raise taxes unless it's for a new downtown stadium. Uh, because how, how are we spending $150,000 on this? It's great. It's great. It sounds, it sounds Go to like the meeting. Go to the meeting. It sounds like, I don't know, you could hire any construction firm and, and, and they would have it done in a weekend for oh, a couple thousand three hours. Bucks. Yeah. Like John Ritz, put John Ritz on it. He'd have it done, and and yeah, yeah, dig a hole. A hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He'd go to restore. He'd go to restore. Pick up a, a bar that's already built. He'd just find yeah. two bars that are already built in an L shape, and just hang some it. hang some old Coca Cola cans from it. 
and and bang, uh, one hundred fifty thousand dollars is insane to me. That's wild for a, a a steel rod that hangs plastic, hollow nubs. Well, okay, you got to have, have a study about the study know, was done. San Antonio did the study. You got to have an independent study that the you do study your, was done. yourself. You got to you got to study the traffic patterns. You got to study uh, what how how much damage does the plastic do to the to the truck? Can truckers sue uh, you for hitting the plastic? Um, can truckers? Well, how are they going to turn around once they do hit the the plastic? You know, Kevin, this is a lot of it's a lot of mm-hmm. work in here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm glad the bridge is being stopped because it was enough. It was enough. It's that gonna be enough. hilarious when it doesn't work and we spend hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars trying to avoid it. So, yeah. right, I'll laugh. Um, all right, we got our our, our personal pine tars. Um, I see you've got a kitchen sink on there. Yeah, lined up for us. Well, so you know how your faucet, uh, well, your faucet doesn't do this. Your faucet at at home drives me nuts. But oh most... no, we got we got a new um, I don't know drain Extending. strainer. Oh no, if you're if you're mad about the, I'm mad about the faucet, dude. Like okay, the, then, where yeah. the water comes out. Of. Okay, then yeah, that hasn't changed. So, um, you know most faucets like you know they have a, a button on there where you can click to to change the setting to to spraying mode to, to mm-hmm. hard spraying mode and then normally when you turn the water off it automatically goes back to normal just uh just regular non-spraying mode for some reason my faucet that automatic feature is gone it it, it stays on spray mode so like or I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's a pressure thing. I don't know if I just need to like lube up the button a little more because it's not automatic in the sense that um, like there's any uh, anything electrical going on. It's just automatic where I think the lack of water pressure um, coming through the, the faucet head, you know, turns the button back to regular mm-hmm. mode instead of. So you're sure it used to do that? Oh, positive. Positive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Take. Yeah. It was a new faucet. It's a new sink. We redid our kitchen when we moved in. So like new, new everything. Um, and then all of a sudden, it just it just doesn't it just doesn't do that. It stays on full spray mode. So like I, I am so in the habit because I'm staring at Megan right now because I do most of the dishes. So like I, I I'm I'm so in the habit of just like a lot of times instead of pressing the button to turn it into uh off of spraying mode i just turn off the water and then do something else and turn it back on real quick and i'm back to regular mode uh but now i i gotta get out of that habit i gotta switch the buttons and it's really annoying it's really really yeah, annoying yeah take that apart i bet there there could be a little calcium deposit built up yeah that's what i think causing. we got hard ass water yeah mm-hmm. so you gotta you gotta look at you gotta take that apart take a look at it that's not yeah. gonna be fun though because then what if you can't put it back together uh, I'm actually pretty good at putting things back together that I take apart, but okay. uh, building something from scratch, I'm horrible at. Okay. Well, yeah. Get, get a wet shirt that way. Yeah. That's not fun. Um, all right. My, you know, something of a plumber myself, my, uh, personal pine tar this week. Um, I got my first win in fantasy football and, uh, congratulations. I think going one and 13 is worse than going zero and 14. Like, just yeah. give me the goose egg. Just give me the zero and 14. Like I never stopped trying. 
uh, it's not like I was giving max effort, but it's not like I was um, playing more Man, than one person who had a buy because I did that this week. I played someone who was inactive. Uh, just one player, though. Um, but I, I somehow won in week 14 for my first win of the season. I would have rather just gone 0-14 than 1-13 because at least I could have been remembered for something. Like, still trying. Had the number one overall pick. And goes 0 and 14. Uh, that was a tough season. Number one overall pick is brutal. It's a curse, and I never want it again. Uh, I've had it two times. Picked Le'Veon Bell once when he didn't play the whole season, and then Jonathan Taylor this year. And uh, I suck at fantasy football. I'm a big fat loser. And uh, I wish I could have just gone. I couldn't even lose when I needed to. So uh, I wish I would have gone 0 and 14, but I got the dub. And uh, one in thirteen just looks looks worse. It looks worse because then it, it doesn't does. look like I'm as unlucky as I feel. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So it just yeah. looks like so you're one in thirteen is tough. Not unlucky. End of the game on a one game winning streak too. On a high note, I wanted to end it on a bad note so I could fire myself. But now I can't because things are looking up for next year. Rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, so that's our personal pine tars. Let's move into our mixed plate this week. Uh, today is the the 13th of December as we record this. But are the 12 days of Christmas? I think are December 1st through 12th, I believe. Really? I don't that know. That doesn't make any sense. Google that. When are the 12 days of Christmas? Because at Orange Theory, no big deal. I work out. We were doing the 12 days. Of yeah, it fitness. ends on the 20th. It What? Oh, no, it begins on the 25th, bro. It begins on the 25th? Begins on Christmas and mm. ends on uh, January 5th. Okay. Well, uh, we're doing uh, the mixed plate of the 12 days of Christmas. So It marks the period in Christian theology, the span between the birth of Christ and the coming of the Magi, the three wise men. Mm-hmm. So that's the 12 days of Christmas. Okay. Often uh, known as the Epiphany. So the 12 days of Christmas, bringing all these gifts, we decided to make our mixed plate of which gifts we would actually want from the 12 days of Christmas. So uh, we're going to do our mixed plate of, of picking the gifts from the 12 days of Christmas, episode 187. Yes. So that means you get to go first, Danny. Hell yes, dude. Easy uh, meet number one here. Um, five golden rings. Of oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I will take those five golden rings. Um, I don't know. Maybe Go sell to the pawn them. Shop. Maybe maybe sell them. Um, melt them down. Make a, a big big one ring to rule them all. Um, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But I'm taking those five golden rings. Yeah, that's a pretty good choice. Go to the pawn shop. Um, make some money. So uh, that's a good good choice there. I'm going with my my meat number one. No brainer here. I thought. Uh, three French hens. Um, uh, I get I get three hens. They're laying eggs. I got pets, and uh, I've raised a chicken before. I'm a big fan of having a chicken. Having three, I think, is manageable. Um, I'd rather have maybe then maybe I'd get a couple more if they were still chicks. Um, I think three is the perfect number. Uh, you you want like four or five usually. Okay. Uh, to make a nice uh, batch, but but three as far as how many I could eat. That would be a pretty good number. Yeah, uh, three a day. Being able to, a day. To, to keep up with these um, 
with these hints. So yeah, uh, I, be a fun little project. Three French hints. I would have, I had that as my number two pick. All right. Um, my meet number two here, I'm going partridge in a pear tree because it sounds like I'm getting a pear tree along with a partridge, which I think a partridge is a songbird, right? Just like sing, mm-hmm. sing me songs. Um, so if I get a pear tree in my backyard, that's fresh pears. I like that. A nice partridge in there uh, singing me songs in the morning. James likes to listen to uh, birds sing, the, the two-year-old. So, uh, yeah, taking partridge in a pear tree. Okay. That uh, pear tree, I like that. Don't need a bird. Uh, so I did not even have that on my list. Did not have that on my list. Didn't even I consider rank, it. I power ranked them all. I, I went one through 12. <laughs> Um, all right, my meet number two here. Um, I'm going with eight maids of milking. Eight maids of milking because uh really what that's code for cheese. It's code for cheese. Uh that's where the cheese came from. That's kind of there's very religious interpretations of this song, I learned. Oh really? Um, very, very religious. Well, like, if they're associated with like, yeah, Christian Christmas, all the Christian, but yeah, but really the song's older and has older roots, and it eight maids of milking was all about, you know, that's where the cheese came from. So, got eight maids of milking. You're getting cheese. Cheese is a great holiday gift. It's great this time of year. Get a nice brie, uh, melt it. Easy mm-hmm. appetizer. Okay, um, my side number one here. Um, just, just, just a numbers game here. I'm going with two turtle doves. Um, I, you know, you got three birds now. That's, that's fine. Well, I guess I do too. I'm trying to keep numbers low. Um, you know, I think we could handle the, you know, the partridge is outside, right? In the pear tree. I think the turtle doves, I don't know, maybe they have to live inside, but I guess we could, we could handle that or build a little bird cage outside in the backyard. So just based on numbers, how, how crazy and busy my life is, I'll take two turtle doves. This, it seems pretty low maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times Christmas presents are all about like, you know, what's something that I can just, just absorb into my life. And it, and it, you know, I don't, I don't have to, uh, you know, return it or I don't have to really put in all this effort to make it work. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. My side number one here, um, I'm really I'm I'm having a party now because I'm yeah. going with ten lords of leaping, um, and when you when you break this down again, the eight maids of milking, again there's religious interpretations saying it's about the beatitudes. Again, I think it's about the cheese. Ten lords of leaping, you know the number ten is in the Bible. Ten lords of leaping though, really lords, you know men, uh, jumping around basically, and it started with playing leapfrog is kind of where the Lords of Leaping came from. So basically we're talking about me and 10 of my friends, 10 Lords of Leaping. We've got a football team now. Now we're playing football on Christmas. Uh, Leapfrog is basically a game of football. Football is a game of leapfrog, if you think about it. Um, So now I've got my squad. 11, I got my 11. Get your 11. Let's go play some football on Christmas. So I'm taking the 10 Lords of Leaping. All right. 
Um, it's a, that's an interesting interpretation. Um, I, you know, who's to say you're wrong there in that interpretation? I, I'm certainly am not going to say uh, you're wrong there. I appreciate. I, I did. I went and found some, some research. There's uh, yeah, some goofy like pictures it. of ten lords of leaping, but uh, I'm taking them on my football team. Okay. Um, my side number two here. Um, all right. <sighs> What the, I don't even know. All right, I'm going 11 Pipers piping, dude. Just announcing my entrance in, you know, to work. I, I walk into work and I just got Pipers there <laughs> announcing and, me, yeah, my yeah. arrival, showing and up to it, parties. There could be like bagpipers too. Yeah, cool playing sound. golf, like walking down 18th, the 18th hole. I mean, they're my Pipers and they're, they pipe what I tell them to pipe. And so... You know, and when I tell them to pipe, I assume. So, you know, walking down 18 while playing golf, I got bagpipes there bringing me home. Um, that sounds that sounds pretty good at my funeral. Hopefully they're all still there. They're 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 I don't I'm not Irish at all, but, you know, they're just leading me out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the 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 bagpipes would be cool. The entrance music, having a, a soundtrack to your life uh, yeah. via bagpipe. Um, sweet. Not bad. Pipes. Um, all right, I am going to continue this party. I'm going with the 12 drummers drumming. Um, oh, I thought you were going with ladies dancing. I thought for sure you are going ladies dancing. Nine ladies dancing. Uh, I already got the eight maids of milking. I didn't want anyone to think I was trying to need, like to form a some kind of weird cult or anything like that, you know? Uh, so trying to, trying to keep it family friendly. 12 drummers drumming. Uh, I'm taking them to Arrowhead with me. I have not seen... The Chiefs had a drum line at one point. Yeah, good point. Have not seen them in a couple years, I feel Meanwhile, like. Meanwhile, we still have a maybe maybe they're there. Maybe we just maybe they're on the wrong side of maybe they're on the other side of Yeah, they haven't the been stadium. in the parking lot at all. I haven't seen them in Lot G. We would hear them. We would hear them coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I'm guessing the Royal Thunder is still out there uh on the drum line. Um, but bringing them, bringing them to the the tailgate that would be awesome. Have we just uh, been too drunk to to realize that they're there and they're there and we're going to be really embarrassed? I I hope someone tells us that. Hey, I, I see the drum line every every week. Uh, or yeah. hey, the drum lines come to our tailgate. You idiot. Uh, <laughs> I would love to hear that. But uh, they're on my list. Twelve drummers drumming. Uh, again, I love a good drum line. It's a great movie. I think today's uh, the anniversary of Drumline coming out. I saw Carrington Harrison tweet that out. Good good flick. Really good Amazing flick. Amazing flick. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, that's a lot. I don't know where you're going to keep them, um, but it would be fun to take to Arrowhead. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good idea. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it is a great movie. It is a really good movie. Um, but as far as uh, the other things that I, I left off the list, I mean, I, I all the birds, the four calling birds, I think those are basically black it's birds. birds. Yeah. I think they're basically like black I birds. always thought it was calling birds so i, I got that lyric wrong the entire time i saw both in my research okay. uh geese no absolutely not uh yeah that's too many that's too many geese to lay in seven swans nope i'm out lots on that birds. too lots of birds swan if you had a if you had a lake having seven swans out there that'd be pretty uh regal that'd be pretty baller 
I did think about that. Uh, and then we didn't have the nine ladies dancing on our list either. Um, family friendly show. We're family friendly. Men. I didn't want to look like I had nine plus it, 17 ladies um, for my Christmas gift. Not a yeah. good look. Not a good, Not a good look. So uh, I avoided that. But uh, a fun a fun breakdown of the 12 days of Christmas there. So uh, that'll do it for us this week. Be sure to follow us on social media at State Your Line. We'll see you around, Kansas City.